Watch Tim wishes you good luck and Godspeed. Space Monkeys blasting off with Matche Vai and Jacob Kowaleski. They are working on the Turn Project. Very happy to have them on the show. Guys, welcome to Space Monkeys. Very happy to uh, be on this show. Yeah. You guys are kind of like a sleeper project, but I know you're working on some really deep tech. Mm. So um, maybe we'll just start with a quick overview of uh, what you guys are hoping to achieve with the Turn Project. I mean, so ultimately, the idea is that cross-chain execution should be as easy, seamless, and secure, ultimately, as it is on a single ledger. And mm. so that's what the Turn idea started with, is essentially yeah. this concept for why can't cross-chain execution be mapped in the same way that it is on a single ledger, where you know that if anything goes wrong at any point, yeah. um, everything reverts back to its original state. You know, DeFi is phenomenal, it's amazing, but it's cumbersome. It really is limited by the user experience. So why can't you perform these complex operations across different chains, environments, functions, mm -hmm. um, with the knowledge that if anything goes wrong, on say Polkadot, everything reverts back what's happened up until that point. As a parachain on Polkadot, you're getting your security from Polkadot. And with that security, you want to create this standard of truth for applications to reach into not only different parachains, but also different blockchain ecosystems, uh, right? Yes. So you have XEM on the substrate side. Yes. Okay. And then you're also going to be bridging to uh, EVM chains as well. Is that the idea? Yeah. yeah. We do facilitate the execution between parachains. And we have two ways of approaching the execution between parachains. Like one is a little going from this kind of like optimistic slash insurance model, okay. where we rely on the uh, light client providing us with the proof mm. that something indeed after the execution has happened in target parachain, that uh, we are then on the turn side able to verify using a light client that is, uh, that is working on-chain, grant by finality proof uh, light client, that execution indeed happened on the single parachain there. We also then have another way of reaching to parachains via XCM. So this is kind of like work in production that we've been putting out for the last months. Yeah, I mean, obviously XCM is phenomenal. Um, it's like one of the sort of core pillars of Polkadot itself. But I mean, when we were looking at it, still felt like it needed standardization across the ecosystem, basically. I mean, how projects are using it within Polkadot varies quite greatly. Yeah. Um, it's you know sort of a tailored and adapted in between parachains. And we sort of saw that as an opportunity to, I mean, essentially open up the turn protocol to other projects. So we got a grant from the Web3 Foundation, for something called XBI, which is essentially a standard overlay over XCM that everyone can use and sort of conform to one standard across how XCM is used. Interesting. We think it's what XCM should have, you know, fundamentally been in the first place, more sort of user-friendly and centric. Yeah. Um, but it also, you know, fits the term protocol because it allows us to plug into all these other parachains and essentially offer what we're offering, which was sort of Maciej mentioned, uh, in a more seamless and, and easy and flexible manner. So for us to slot in, to the Polkadot ecosystem once we're live. You know, it's relatively easy, um, assuming everyone adopts XBR. 
Okay, that was going to be my next question. What do the other pair chains have to do to adopt XBI? Mm, mm. And and is there kind of an adoption challenge ahead with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just two things to then like perhaps add to XBI, uh, which are I believe like nice additions on top of XCM. One is the control over execution costs and notification costs. So user facing kind of interaction with XBI. We just specify the, okay, this is the maximum fee I want to pay through all of this kind of like chain XCM execution there. The other good thing about XBI that is adding a little nice extensible feature on top of XCM is that is, it is meant to evolve uh, very quickly to the specific use cases. So you can add ad hoc additional XBI instructions. Mm. Uh, which you want to share with another parachains. So the other parachains that support, for example, I don't know, like get price from this specific DeFi, you can add this XBI instruction on top. Mm -hmm. Others would also be uh, able to like access a specific XBI instruction. And therefore, like you don't need to ask kind of anyone uh, or like submit like a proposal, like a pull request to the parity, and like, hey guys, can you please extend XCM yeah, yeah. with this like one thing, then it goes like through the series of audits, yada, 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 yada. It takes a little longer time. So how we ideally envision XBI evolving yeah. is that it adds this like very kind of like instant extension layer on top of how the parachains communicate and like this very sort of like custom sometimes XBI yeah. instructions. Yeah. Ultimately, a standard is only as good as as much adoption as it has, right? So we were doing it in collaboration with like Astar, we ran it past like Akala as well, because ultimately we want to make the standard as useful as possible for everyone. Mm -hmm. And to Maggie's point, that already sort of makes it and massages it in already because we've sort of tailored how we've constructed XBI to what we saw the needs were of all these individual projects. Mm -hmm. And essentially, as Maggie says, as it grows and gets adopted by more and more, it uh, becomes more useful because everyone chips in with mm. what they need and the standard grows. Yeah. Impressive. So what about XCM v3? Does Parity's uh, tinkering with XCM change this extra layer on top? Does it unlock extra features? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the next iteration of, of XCM, we just like really would wish for all of the features to, you know, for us to kind of be there. Like the guys are working on the adding the direct calls to the smart contracts yeah. with XCM. Uh, they do have additional cost control over uh, the messages that are being passed. And now, yeah, once the XCM evolving, obviously XBI kind of like sits above it. So we would love to like see more and more features coming to XCM, extending the XBI sort of like functionalities and potential use cases too. Okay, so I, I do want to get to use cases, but we kind of skipped over a, a question before, and this is about yes. to Ethereum. Yes. Right? <laughs> so let, let's go back there. So what, what does that look like? Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know, that's a pretty good use case, just bringing liquidity over from Ethereum, right? For sure. So like we kind of diverge a little bit from like, how do we see the model in general mm -hmm. of execution between chains? So there is a loud client, for this specific consensus system. Yeah. Uh, we do build a light client in-house for Ethereum. We already have working since like, yeah, since May last year, light client that is processing grandpa finality proofs for subset based chains. So yeah, this is like a, we can easily hook all the uh, Kusama Polkadot connectivity mm -hmm. uh, 
and all of the proofs incoming from different parachains will be checked against that. Light plane from Ethereum goes on top. And the same model, like we already have an ISO, we started like experimenting with the uh, uh, BNB chain light plane that was like relatively straightforward for us to do. Any sort of proof of work, keeping an eye on like Bitcoin. <laughs> this is very easy for us to do. So the model is we do need the on-chain light client with the finality proof assumptions. Yeah. And therefore facilitate like a fully trustless execution between different consensus systems Very under the umbrella of execution of the Okay, one question came up in there. What happens if a call, you know, in a totally different ecosystem doesn't execute? Right. What happens to the rest of the of the call there? So if the call hasn't executed and is uh going with this like kind of a insured optimistic model. Okay. We do have an interplay of the additional off-chain agent, which we call executor. How the execution model works with them is we do receive an execution order from either different blockchains or user-facing developers or just, just users submitting the execution order. Uh, please perform a swap on Sushi, on Ethereum, I expect for this price to get that X amount of a different token there. Then this order kind of comes to turn mm -hmm. and every valid account on, on turn can bid for this execution. We do have uh, this kind of bidding phase mm -hmm. uh, for the first three blocks mm -hmm. uh, on Polkadot that executors in the open market model bid for the just provide the like the best offers like execution executioners executors compete against the best price that uh, they would be able to perform this call to Ethereum or to any 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 different chain. So the open market model assumption then also binds them to essentially provide the uh, insurance that they like voluntarily agree. That okay, this price is good for me. I want to have like this reward that like I have it kind of offered from the user. Yeah. But I also tie myself that in case I will not provide in the uh, assumed time yeah. the good uh, inclusion proof that I indeed performed the execution of material, mm -hmm. I will lose my stake. Okay, so these executors are they're another uh, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. this option agent player. Okay. Uh, I think it's like a very like kind of like a, hmm, a flexible move for us to do, to be honest, because then we don't have an ability to check how would the execute executor perform the execution. Right? Like we don't have an ability to check if they're gonna use their own funds on or, or within the exact time they will like use the centralized exchanges to like uh, access the necessary funds for them to execute or they use like a bunch of DEXs. This is completely up to executors. How do they want to provide these transactions yeah. on the target chain? We just expect them to provide the inclusion that indeed they did the job well. So if the order was asking them to uh, make a transfer of 10 Ethereum to this given address, mm -hmm. we're only able to verify that. We're not able to verify if they already had this 10 Ethereum and they put them themselves, and now they expect the reward for doing this. Mm -hmm. 
uh, or if in the meantime they just like access, I don't know, like some centralized exchange. Yeah. But this is just one of the two paths of execution. Yes, but then also fundamentally, uh, users know that those transactions or executions are essentially insured. So we don't know, we don't need to know exactly what the executor does to make it happen. Right. We just need the proofs. Right. And then the user ultimately gets the guarantee that if anything goes wrong, their funds are safe as well. Yeah, and it all is like open market model, yeah. right? So the user also specifies, okay, in case it doesn't happen, yeah. in case it doesn't arrive to Ethereum, I want to have 50 turn back to me. Mm -hmm. And the executor needs to put on the board first. Okay, like I do put this like onto this like treasury mm -hmm. first, my 50 turn. So in case I will not provide on time the inclusion proof that indeed I perform the uh the order to Ethereum, the requester will take my 50 turn back. So it's like everything is open, open market model day. And these executors they're risking stake yes yeah, yeah. so like this insured kind of bond mm -hmm. that they need to provide this is their stake what if what they're handling is of greater value than their stake it's, it's open market i mean it's you know it, you let the market decide essentially what yeah. users are happy with like yeah. if you're expecting 10 ethereum transaction and then there's only like one ethereum insurance and you know, that, that doesn't make sense yeah right and it's sort of one but open market to figure out what users are comfortable with as an insurance for their transaction yeah. versus what executors are comfortable executing how do you attract these executors how do you get that market going it's uh it's fundamentally one of the biggest challenges we're going to initially face okay uh in the rollout of the protocol because i mean as we sort of establish essentially they're you know, running a node and also putting up the liquidity and insurance. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's it's a very niche um, role. Yeah. It's something we thought about quite extensively when we were like onboarding strategic cell partners and so on. Like we want people with high liquidity who also have a track record of providing infrastructure as well. Um, so that's very much one of the avenues we're going now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's people who've supported the project from the beginning who are going to be running these. We also have quite strong incentivization models baked into autoeconomics, yeah. uh, as well as into our inflation model as well. Mm. So we want to make it as worthwhile and as appealing, yeah. especially for early adopters to come and be executors uh, mm. early on and offer the service basically, because essentially the protocol functioning does rely on them quite heavily. That's a lot going on under the hood, but let's go back a bit, little bit here and finally talk about some use cases. I think we touched on it initially, that this is how DeFi should be and should have been. So, okay. you know, the sort of, seamless and secure execution in between chains. I think that's the obvious one that we initially want to touch on. DeFi for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, initially a protocol like ours needs to demonstrate liquidity and volume transacted sure. securely. Yeah. And we see, you know, mm. DeFi essentially as, as the best avenue for that yeah. initially. Mm -hmm. um, I think ultimately we don't want to limit ourselves to one vertical. It's easy to just sort of end up framing ourselves as just a pure DeFi sort of cross-chain solution. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to tackle as many verticals as possible. I think it's one of the good things within Polkadot that there's so many different projects working on so many different things. You've got, you know, like Manta focus on privacy. You've got like all these different solutions from marketing NFTs and so on. How we wanted to structure the protocol is to incentivize developers as much as possible to think about the use cases that they see for the protocol. Yeah. So essentially yeah. we're offering them this secure cross-chain solution. Yeah. I think another aspect of the protocol that we haven't touched on is that developers can contribute 
uh, open source smart contracts to our repository. Yeah, the users can come out, use these, and every time that code executes, the original author gets remunerated. And so they can set you know, how much they expect to get paid every time their cross-chain smart contract executes. Yeah. And what we see this as is you know, essentially giving the tooling to developers to think about you know, what use cases they want to enable. So if you've got the secure yeah. infrastructure in the cross-chain realm, they can choose how much they get paid every time that open source code executes, which you know, in our eyes, it's like paradigm shift as to what being an open source developer means in general. Yeah. And we want to sort of give out this tooling and, and see what use cases emerge because you know, I don't think the next bull run will be purely just DeFi and NFTs. I think there are you know, so many use cases to emerge that will keep stimulating growth within blockchain. And we essentially want to provide that tooling to, to explore what those use cases are going forward. Gotcha. And are you guys in the business of uh, doing user interfaces at all? Yeah. Yes. Like, do you see some turn applications? Yeah, we do. I think, yeah. you know, it's one of the core components of turn in that it helps users to actually conceptualize mm -hmm. what the protocol does. Because yeah. I mean, like how we've dived into it, you know, it's it's not simple at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what our UI when we release it is going to be, is it's going to make all of this that we've been discussing today a lot more palpable and easy to understand. Like, okay, cool, I can layer up executions on top of one another, see where they're going, see who's getting paid what, see what the you know, incentivization models are, what kind of execution, whether it's optimistic, escrow, whatever. You can see all of that happening in one sleek interface. Mm -hmm. And so actually conceptualize what the protocol does without having to understand you know, all the nitty gritty that we've been going into today. We're looking at this UI as a way of people conceptualizing and understanding yeah. what's going on. I see. I think initially when we launch, you know, we're going to be targeting other chains and getting as many integrations as possible because that's where we lay the foundational value of what Turn does. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, helping people understand what we actually do. I think, you know, in, in blockchain and crypto, you don't ultimately know how these things pan out. You yeah. know, you sort of put it out into the wilderness and just see what happens. And it's always the thing you least expect to happen <laughs> will end up happening, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's how we're approaching it. Um, mm. But, you know, it's for people to understand what we do and then let's see what it happens and, and who ends up actually using it. Mm. Fantastic. Well, um, maybe we'll wrap it up here. Um, that was a really interesting conversation, though. But you guys feel a sense of urgency here because uh, there are other projects attempting to do this this cross-chain ex execution stuff. I'm, I mean, Composable, mm. whatever state they're currently in, but they're they're harping on that, and um, Darwinia, I suppose, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you guys want to you guys want to get this out there and, and put these tools in the hands of, of people right away. Yeah, I think you know our approach throughout Lifeturn has been a, a measured one. I think, you know, mm. especially as a multi-chain solution, you don't want to rush anything out because yeah. you get exploited once and, you know, in some regards, you're dead in the water. So we want it to be as measured uh, and meticulous about it as possible. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, that's a two-way street, right? And you don't want to be doing something, trying to get it perfect until, you know, if you put a, if you put out a perfect product, you put it out too late, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to find that fine line, basically. And I think where we are now, in terms of you know execution within a substrate environment, we're very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the e-flight client is you know nearer than further if we're candid yeah. about it. So it feels like a good time to be going for it. Um, 
and, and putting out basically. Okay guys, well thanks very much for talking with us today. It was super fascinating. Maybe after you guys launch we can get you out of space, you know, Asama Nights or something to, to update us. But yeah, definitely. Sweet. Yeah, for now. Part two coming. Yeah, sounds <laughs> good. Thanks very, very much guys. Thank, Thank you so much. much.